0: Welcome to the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis. I'm your host. Welcome back. It's Thursday, August the 13th. I got some good news for you. So I got the call last weekend. Uh, I'm going into my high school Hall of Fame. It's pretty cool uh, to get that call. Uh, Went in my college Hall of Fame a couple years ago. Now I'm going into my high school Hall of Fame next month. Really looking forward to that. Thank you to whoever voted on allowing me to go into the Hall of Fame because that is awesome. And, um, yeah, looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a good trip home. Uh, It's for homecoming. And, uh, yeah, they're still playing football in Texas. So be able to see my nephew play the night before, which is going to be amazing. I haven't seen him play in a while. And he's a freshman in high school, and he is starting to look the part I cannot wait to see what he does when I go to the game. Shout out Jacksboro, Texas. And thank you again. But today's episode, man, this dude right here, we go way back. His college roommate was my rookie roommate in Calgary. This dude's a DB. He was a great competitor on the field. Very knowledgeable guy off the field. And he loves giving back and sharing his knowledge with others. And he has a passion for teaching. You will see. This is the Lulu Logic Podcast. Today's guest is from Knoxville, Tennessee, and went to Middle Tennessee State. He played in NFL Europe for the Berlin Thunder, then the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. Then he came north to the Hamilton Ticats and the Edmonton Eskimos. He finished his CFL career with 13 interceptions and three pick sixes. Not only was he talented, but he knows the game inside out. He coaches at the University of Waterloo and previously had his training gym, Bradley Sports. Welcome to the show, Joaquin Bradley. What's up, brother?
1: Man, what's going on, Nick? First of all, I want to thank you for having me on the show. You know what you are doing, man. It's inspiring. It's a blessing to some guys that want to come on and talk and tell their story. So Appreciate keep doing it. it, man. That's greatness. Appreciate I just want to thank you for having me on the show. It's a blessing,
0: man. You know we had to do it. Uh, we go way back. We got a we got a friend in common, Celacio. But before we get to Celacio, um, <laughs> I got to host the Rod Peterson show one day. Right? They called yep. me, and uh, well, I went in to to be on the show. And uh, the producer sit there with me and said, what would you think about hosting the show? Uh, Rod's gonna be out of town and we need a host. And if you don't do it, I'm gonna have to do it. And, um, you know, he was just like, we would really love for you to do it. And, you know, you can have up to four guests. I mean, my guests, Damon Allen, Ryan Phillips, John Bowman, and then you, yourself.
1: That's those legends right there, man.
0: <laughs> well, but you bought that thunder, though. Everybody was talking about how passionate you were. Hey, it's from the
1: inside, man. You know, it's all about that passion. It's the way I coach. It's the way I live my life, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that, it was just awesome to, to be a part of that. Um, to see where that show has gone. You know, they started it uh, about a year ago, just over a year ago. And uh, to see how many viewers they get in the process of that year of just doing something you know, five days a week, how many American viewers they get. But um, definitely a truly great episode that I got to be a part of. And, uh, you know, you got to be a part of it as well. What do you think about it?
1: Man, it was awesome, Nick. You know, uh, just to go on there, tell some stories, you know, joke around with you and Charleston <laughs> Hughes. You know, anytime you do something like that and you call me, I'm going to bless it, right? So it was an honor to be on that show. Rod doing a great job with it. And uh, like you said, man, to be among some greats, you had four uh, four guys on there, and the, the three you just named. I mean, I, I look up to all three of them, and those guys some awesome players, they awesome man. So it was just a blessing to be on that show,
0: but it yeah. was awesome. I had
1: a, I had a ball, baby.
0: <laughs> Indeed. <It> <laughs> well, let's get to it, man. Um, your nickname is Killer, right? I got a story about this, but how would you get the nickname Killer? So I was at Middle Tennessee State, and um,
1: I played receiver. I went to Middle, C- Middle Tennessee State to play receiver. I didn't really? want to play DB. I, yeah, I didn't want to play DB. I didn't want to hit nobody. I wanted to score <laughs> touchdowns. So, uh, first day in practice, I went out there and, um, you know, I did a pretty good job at receiver. Uh, the receiver coach said, man, feet like those, I have to move you to defensive back. And he came from the NFL. So, he said, if you want an opportunity to, you know, sign an NFL contract, we have to move you to defensive back as much as I don't want to. I was very upset about it. So they moved me to defensive back. I was over there. Didn't want to hit nobody, Nick. <laughs> man, <laughs> didn't want what about to hit that nobody, action? nobody, man. But, uh, you know, the head coach came to me, Andy McCullum, a great coach. And he's like, I need you to get that killer instinct. I need you to start coming down and killing people. So I was used to tell the guys, I said, you know what? I'm about to just start killing people. So I took the shot one time <laughs> and it felt great. And after that, Killer, it. it just it just kept that, that nickname just stayed with me, man.
0: <laughs> One time we played y'all um, um, in Hamilton, and um, Johnny Frizani um, <laughs> on the bus after the game, like he was like Johnny could run. Yeah, he fast. Johnny could run. Put
1: him up, put him down, boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Johnny was like, man, that dude crazy. <laughs> He's going to kill me out there. (laughs) I said, Johnny, that's just in the game, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you had him shook. (laughs) Were you a big trash talker when you played?
1: I was a big trash talker, Nick. You know, as a DB, once I get a receiver to talk to me, I felt like I had him. Now, one thing I know about you, you was a big trash talker, too, so (laughs) it it didn't work for you. (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you talk trash because you know 90% of it is mental yeah right and if i can get into a receiver head, he worried about me and not catching that ball right so that was one of my uh it was it's just one of my techniques and uh on the field i like to talk trash but off the field it was all love you know we all got to go home to our family it's a professional sport you know it's a big fraternity in the cfl from the nfl don't matter we all you know we show love to each other on the field we compete yeah off the field we show love
0: yeah because when he said when he said you was talking trash to him I was like, man, Killer ain't going to do nothing. He goes, his name is Killer, too? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Johnny, you know, and he was a great receiver, too, man. You, should. you better try to get him off this game or he going to run by you. <laughs>
0: oh, man. You know what the biggest thing? He didn't even start playing football until, like, his 12th grade year. Oh. Like, if he would have actually uh, had the chance to learn the game and, like, you know, just not play on talent alone. Right. Like, Johnny could have been special. Yeah. He was That's kind of like Markeith,
1: Nick. Markeith yeah, was, four, three, was the same seven.
0: way. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny really? Renner,
1: yeah, he was 4'3", legit. Yeah, Markeith, he told me he didn't start playing in high school. Really? Yep. Got in it. Uh, I think he said his I want to say sophomore, junior, in high school. And look at the player he turned out to be.
0: Man, I don't know who got on my nerves more, Markeith or Sean Lucas in SAS. <laughs> Neither one of them talked. Nope. Like, I remember one nope. time Sean Lucas, I ran at him, first play of the game full speed we running the ball yeah he's, he's down in his stance i run at him palm to the face mask right his face mask hits him in the face is here is ear pads fall out his helmet's <laughs> up on his head like turn like this right he picks up his ear pads and runs off the field for two or three plays to fix it and then comes back never said a word
1: don't say a word yep
0: you that that bothered like that. me because it didn't bother me. It bothered me as a man that you let somebody do that to you and you didn't say nothing. Right. But you know
1: what, Nick? It's, it's a, it's a strength too, man, to be able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Cause one, one thing I said, like I want to, if I can get that receiver to talk back, then I know I kind of got some kind of control. Yeah. But when he don't say a word to me, then it's like he's not empowering my words. That's one thing I live on in life, right? You know, he's not reacting to anything that I'm saying. So I need him to react to what I'm trying to say just to let me know that I got him. But he wouldn't do it, man, and uh, a lot of receivers didn't do it. So,
0: I mean, that bothered me as well. (laughs) You know, sometimes you get in those talking matches like Corey Banks is out there, you know, me. Who who were some of the big trash-talking receivers that you've been around because uh, like, I, I think about it, I don't really know a lot that really just talk a lot of trash. Receivable.
1: It, it wasn't really a lot, you know. Like I said, you, you, you know, did, that's how we did. It, 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 it was good, because, you know, to get us going, man. I needed that to get me going. Uh, Jamaica Colt, you know, me and Coke from the same hometown. He about, <laughs> he about 30 minutes away. He from Harriman, Tennessee. Yeah. So, you know, Copa, he'll he, he'll talk a little uh, trash, too. <laughs> uh, but
0: Coke got that old Southern trash talk.
1: He got that old Southern trash talk, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what? <laughs> Who you just brought up? Lacio, my, my roommate, right? My uh, roommate and your roommate. Yeah. He was uh, when I was at MTSU. He was actually with the Chicago Bears, so he would come back and we would do our one on ones. And man, you know, Lacio was fast too. I think he was Ooh. like four two. Yeah. So he helped me out a whole lot. But we we went at it. We went at it. We're going to feel the field at MTSU, man. We do our one on ones. I got him one time. That's how you talk to him, Nick. Ask him about the quick jam I hit him with. and I was to his <laughs> knee. <laughs>
0: I told Lacio he need to do some squats because, he, hey, them legs were small.
1: Boy, them legs were so small, but that upper body, boy, he was on point.
0: Man, one time I remember um, we were down on the field in Calgary where they, they don't practice anymore, but it's a little grass field, and there's an exit right there. Okay. And is about to do a one-on-one, and this bus comes off the exit, and – like it goes, it's coming, it never stops. It's like, it exits off and it's going as right. Lazio starts running. And Lazio outruns the bus <laughs> and catches a fade route on somebody in one-on-one. And I'm like, that shit is crazy.
1: Oh, I believe it, man. Lazio can put them up and put them down.
0: Man, that dude that was, was his special. Strip, boy. Yep. That dude was special. You know, you've been around a lot of great DBs, um, not just playing the game, But, I mean, just since the game has been done, uh, since you've moved past the game, and uh, just to name a few, like Shives and and RP, um, you know, you've been around Jason Shivers and, I mean, you know, Mark Washington and Orlando Steinhauer. Right. What does that mean to you to see, to be around those type of people like that, that are like very smart and intelligent?
1: It's empowering, Nick. It's a growth mindset. Uh, actually, I had Jason Chavez at the house yesterday, and we were just sitting down and we were just talking football, was we talking life you know and it's, and anytime you can sit down with guys like those and, and, and keep on you know empowering your brain and get that knowledge man, it's a blessing you know I had I, I talked to uh, one of my close friends and old teammate Brandon Lynch all the time. He just got the cornerback job with the Cleveland Browns awesome. so yeah, so man, I mean it's a blessing uh, uh, to see what these guys are doing. Like I said, I like to surround myself with good men, you know, because they good men before they coaches. And that was, that's what I like to uh, surround myself with, man. And uh, just to be able to pick their brains and to grow from it, it's a it's a uh, blessing and it's an awesome opportunity.
0: Yeah, Shives um, became a D coordinator last year for the first time in SAS. Um, we were guest coaching together a couple years ago there in 2018. Yep. Just talk to me about the experience of just watching him, and you know from back then he was the DB coach two years ago to last year becoming the defense coordinator to now getting ready for you know if no season 2021. But can right. you just talk about the the mindset and the change that you've seen him? because one thing is, is that these guys are not only great coaches and great they were great players, but you know, men of color. Yes. Yeah, they're in position to do do some things as well. Well, one thing I was always
1: told, Nick, if you would Shaws, he was the defensive back coach when we was that guest coaching. Yeah. But I always, I was always told by a coach, if you're the defensive back coach, you need to be preparing like you. You got to have the mindset of a defensive coordinator. If you're the defensive coordinator, you need to have the mind of a head coach. So as a defensive back coach, you you think in your mind, you the head coach of your defensive back field. So to watch Shaws out there you know, making the calls, while he allowed, which allowed Coach Jones to go around and, 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 you know, check on everything else, the special teams, let's go see what the offense is doing and watching the receivers run their routes, while Shives took over the whole defense. And I remember telling him uh, the night after that first practice, I said, hey, you better be ready because you're going to be a defense coordinator. <laughs> I told him. him that you can ask. I said, you're going to be – we're going to speak it into existence. I said, because the way that you ran everything, the way that you was organized uh, – your demeanor, the way them players respond to you. Man, Nick, it was awesome to see that, man. And it was inspiring. And I, I loved it because, you know, my, when I see guys like, you know, him, Mark, Brandon, O, all those guys doing great things, I love it, man. And, you know, I'm always rooting for him.
0: Yeah, you ran Mark Washington last year for the first time, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, you played, we played against each other. And uh, he's been a part of the league for a long time, was in B.C. for a long time, but now got to – Hamilton, and you went in and guest coached with them last year. Can you just talk about that experience of being around him for the first time? And Is there any similarities with Shives, or is it different? I know he's a great man of faith. Right. Dude.
1: Well, everybody got their different styles. Yep. Uh, you know, Mark Mark is a great, like I said, like you just said, he a man of faith. You know, he stands on principles that don't change. And I love it, man. And Mark, one thing about Mark is just to watch him Take control of his meeting room. Mm-hmm. You know the way he take control of his meeting room. The way he get everybody involved and hold everybody accountable. I'll nick my phone. You good? Okay. Yep. The way he take control of uh, the meeting room and hold everybody accountable, man, that was awesome. And just to see how prepared he was. And one thing I learned about Mark too was the work ethic. Uh, I remember, I remember going to the dorm room. Uh, I can't remember what time it was, and Mark was still in there. Mm. on the computer, watching. When I wake up, he was the first one in meetings. So it was just a work ethic. He talked to me about the work ethic. And to this day, I can call Mark, ask any question. He's going to pick up the phone. That's you know, That's awesome. one thing about all my guys that I surround myself with. You know, you don't have to worry about them answering the phone. You got a question, you call them, and they're going to answer the phone, they're going to answer your question.
0: Yeah. And so, then, they, then you got Coach O, man. That dude's special to me. I mean – He's like Barack Obama to me, because yeah. he just got that persona, he's not loud he nope. he demands respect. I remember him you know my first image of him is the leader of Toronto's defense right he had all those guys they went and won a great Cup in four my first year, but you had he had uh Michael Shaa, Kevin Ibbett in front of him, and, and Mike Fletcher, and you know all those dudes up front, Johnny right. Blaze. Uh, from Tennessee, you know yep. what I'm saying? So you had all those dudes, and you had the, the DBs and everything, and he was like the leader of the defense. And and now just to see what he's done, I mean, going down to Fresno and, and making them a top-10 defense. Yeah. Right, and then coming yep. back to the CFL and doing what he's doing here. Can you just talk about being around him and, and his whole demeanor and how he handles that team, and I can see why he's successful.
1: Exactly, cause he's a true leader, Nick. You know he lead them guys follow, man. And like you said, he's not loud. He calm and poised under pressure, but he will demand and yeah. he will hold everybody accountable, starting with himself. Right? That's one thing I learned about Coach O. He out, he calm and poised under pressure. He will, you know, he holding everybody accountable, but everything start with him. You know, uh, he, he's about principles and he about standing on them. You know, one thing I I learned from one thing that stood out to Coach O. He was like, man, we, we all signed up for this game. You know, it's, it's going to be somebody that I cut that's going to go somewhere else and be an all star <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? And, he, and, and it, was just, it was just amazing to see, you know, how he handled things mentally, how he surrounded himself with great coaches as well, like uh, Mark Washington and um, Jim Barker. And, yeah. the, and, and, and they stood on the same principles as Coach O, right? And then that trickled down to the team. So it was no doubt in my mind that them guys made the right hand and they was going to have some success. But, man, it was a blessing to be around them, Nick, and to learn from them.
0: Yeah, I could totally get that, man, because I just look at that list of names right there, and I know your intelligence of the game, but to be around those guys that have proven it, you haven't got your chance yet to prove it on that stage. Right. Right, but to be around those men and, like you said, each are different. Yep. all are successful. Right. Right? And right. I think that's yep. the biggest thing, to be around those guys and to have those contacts that you can pick up the phone and talk to, and even, like you said, Brandon Lynch. Like, how do you feel about that, that you have all that access to those people and, um, and you're trying to carry it forward in everything that you're doing?
1: You know what, Nick? I take it as a... I, I like it. It's a, it's a challenge to me. You know, it's a challenge for me. I, one thing that I will do is keep, you know, having that growth mindset. Keep learning from those guys. So, like they always tell me, when it's show time, you are ready. Yeah. You know, when the opportunity comes, you are ready because it's, it will come. It's like it's just like anything else. I Man, you can't rush it. You know, uh, it's like planting a seed, nigga. You plant that seed, it got to go through the dirt first. That's it. You know, and then once you water and go through the dirt and it grows, now you're in position to branch out and you can create opportunities for other guys just like they created the opportunity for you. Yep. So it's all, it's all timing, man, and I'm going to soak up all the game from the OGs. That's what I call them, No the OGs. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to soak up all the game, man, and uh, I'm going to be ready when my time comes.
0: I've been thinking about this, and are defensive backs the smartest defensive players on the field? Because I look at guys – like we talked about with Mark Washington, Jason Schavers, Orlando Steinhauer, you throw Corey Banks in there, and RP and Brandon Smith, Jamar Wall, uh, Tad Cornegay. Right. You know, yourself. Like, for me, those guys stand out with their knowledge of the games that that know this inside and out, that were able to play for so long. Do you think defensive backs are the smartest – defensive players on the field as far as at the pro level you know what nick yeah i'm not gonna say the smartest
1: but we get to see it from a different angle than everybody else the d lineman is down they can't see what's going on on the back end you know the linebackers can see what the d lineman is doing but they can't see what's going on on the back end we get to see it from a different view than everybody else on that field so one thing that uh mark you know always talk about is being a complete db defensive back you want to be a complete db i want to know what that front line doing, what, their line, what those linebackers doing. I want to know if that blitz is coming to my side because I want I need to know if that quarterback throwing into the blitz give me an opportunity to jump that route. Yeah. Or is he, or is he throwing away from the blitz, right? I, you know, I need to know the fronts. I want to see what the fronts win. I want to know the protection. Are they going to have time to pick it up? Are they bombing the receiver down? Now and then cover zero, so they might have an extra second to throw that deep ball on me, whereas they don't bomb them. I don't know that the ball got to come out right now because the extra blitz is the quarterback man. Yeah. Right, so that's, that's that's stuff that you know that make you, you know, separate from anybody else. So we got to see it from a different perspective.
0: You know, most, most people see football and they think it's checkers, right? You need great athletes right. to go out and execute great game plans. But what you're talking about is chess. And that's right. what I'd be trying to tell everyone is, is the chess match of everything that's really going on on the field because – when we get into conversations like this, it's very hard to explain to people. Like, I'll I'll use Tony Romo, for instance. Okay. Uh, I'm a Cowboy fan. Um, They're playing Washington. It's to go to the playoffs, and um, the whole game, the running back keeps flaring out of the backfield. Nobody guards. No, they're playing the Eagles. Okay. Nobody guards the running back the whole game. Nobody. Right. And I'm like, man, Tony's got to hit the running back. And you know he's probably been getting this feedback. It's a key down. He drops back. The middle linebacker comes right down the middle of the field. They yeah. didn't, They didn't block him. He turns and throws to the running back. The defensive end for the first time, Brandon uh, Graham, I believe, it was peeled and got a pick. Oh. <laughs> for the first time, he peeled the whole first game. time peeling. He first got the pick. First time he peeled, he got the pick.
1: It's got but some people. people
0: but but people see Tony Romo throwing the pick and, like, well, Tony threw the pick. Right. But if you look at what's been going on – like, I watch the game totally different than everybody else. I see what's going on on the field. I see what they're trying to do and things uh-huh. like that. I don't just look at a play and say, oh, it's, it's a complete or incomplete or it was a good play or not a good play. Like, right. I'm, I'm constantly analyzing what's going on and seeing these things, right? And it's just crazy that football could be so individualized in right. fans, but how structured it is for players.
1: Yeah, because we're looking at it from a different perspective, Nick. I, my wife hates watching football with me because I, <laughs> I will stop the game. I will pause it. I'm explaining <laughs> to her the fronts. You know, I'm explaining to her the blitz. And all she want to do is watch the game. You know, she want to touch it. But that's my mindset. I'm looking at it like I'm watching film. Yeah. And that's, and we just, it's all about the why, right? That's one thing we talk about is the why, you know, why as a defensive back coach, I always wanted my guys to understand the why, you know, when I'm a defensive coordinator, you need to know why in Charlie Brown, we got to do it out of an under front. You know what I mean? Why the front got to match the blitz. So I'm all about coaching up the why because I feel like if they know the why, then they can go out there and, and, and perform at the highest level.
0: Yeah. Speaking of being a DB coach, how was the transition into DB coaching? Like from you, from playing to coaching, what was the biggest change for you that you saw?
1: That I couldn't go out there and make the play. I had to relate the information to, you know, my players and get them to go out there and make the play. So I had to become um, – as a teacher, I know I had to uh, be a different style of teacher. You know, I didn't want just be one-dimensional. I had to be visual. I had to be audio. And I had to be kinesthetic because Tyrell might can just hear what I'm saying and go do it as to Andy Mello, you know, he can see it and go do it where I might have uh, Lyle Fretcher that got to do both. He might have to see it and do it, right? So I wanted to make sure I gave them guys everything they needed to be able to compete at the highest level. So I had to be a a three-dimensional teacher, you know, and that was the biggest thing, man. It was was good, it worked out for us. Uh, I want to thank Darrell Adams, you know, from uh, the University of Waterloo defensive coordinator for giving me the opportunity to put me in position to work with a bunch of great players, man. And, you know, being transparent, uh, uh, them guys, uh, and Chris Pretoria as well, Nick, because he, uh, you know, took a shot on me and, uh, without them, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I I just knew I had to be transparent in everything that I do and be demanding as well. Yeah, You know, I had to be demand. I wanted to demand greatness out of those guys and also, and also be, um, uh, you know what I'm saying, positive while I'm doing it, giving them positive reinforcement, you know, because you can sit there and yell and be negative. I was told a coach to do a lot of yelling (laughs) is pointing the fingers at the players
0: because he want everybody in the stands to know it ain't his fault. Exactly. Nope. Time and poise, man. That's it. That's it. And a lot of people can't perform under that pressure. They're already under pressure. Right. And I tell them all the time, it's not like you wanted to mess up. Right, it's not like you win the game saying, "You know what? I'm about to go screw this play up." Exactly, we know that. But it messes coverage up, like right? We know you going out there. We know to do you
1: something. messed up. Yeah, absolutely. So let's coach up the why. Let's coach him up now. That's now he don't went out there and messed up. Give us the opportunity to go coach him up now.
0: That's what we get paid to do. When my backs came to on last year, it was we watched film on the on the iPad. Um, yeah, I took notes on if I seen something you know, running back, ducking his head on blocks or, you know, not taking the proper steps or whatever the case was. Yes. And, you know, I just, I go through it with him. I can't tell you what to do. Right. Hey, why, why did this happen? Or, you know, you know, remember your technique, let's go back to the technique and, you know, make sure you're pressing the hold, make sure you're pressing the hold. We're going to jump cut Mm -hmm. this. Right. So it's just all about that. It's about fundamentals, but I understood. See, I feel like there's a lot of coaches that don't understand you in the same damn boat as the players. Right. They act like they got a different life raft out here that can float, and they're yelling and screaming <laughs> at players like, "What is that gonna do?" Yeah. We're in the same boat. I'm trying to get the most out of you, and I'm trying to be, help you be the best you can be, and that's my Man, job. You,
1: you the pilot. You the pilot of your of your plane. You flying yeah. that plane. So if I'm the pilot and I'm and we hitting turbulence and I'm freaking out, then guess what? The passage is gonna freak out too. <laughs> but if I'm calm and poised, you know, okay, put your seat belts on, we just hit the little turbulence, but we are gonna get through it. Guess what? They're gonna be calm and poised, and somebody's gonna go out there and end up making a play. That's but it. if not, it's gonna snowball. And you know, it's it's just uh, one of my favorite books is Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, and there's certain principles in Think and Grow Rich by them Holy hill that you know you gotta stand on. And if you stand on those in life and you stand on those in, on those in culture, guess what? Everything else will take care of itself. So that's what I stand on, Nick, and that's what I yeah. coach on. We talked about that in the last interview.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that I love about Clay as well. Like Clay, he always encouraged the players. He never he never demeaned the players. Right. Yes. Our team stayed together, man. That was awesome. That was, you know what I'm saying? To be on that side for the first time. Right. And um, I know how easy it is to lose players and to for players to give up on coaches or to give up on teams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But dude, that was it's just awesome to be around good people, man, that understand. And, and when, when I talk about, like, Mark Washington and, and Shives and, and Steinhauer, you know, yourself, and even RP over there in BC right. still. But this whole new generation, right, of, of our, our generation of, of players that are now coaching yep. but are doing it in a positive way and giving kids a great opportunity uh, to be successful. Right when you look mm-hmm. at when you look at CIS, like when we came into the CFL, like your first year in the CFL was 05? 5 '05, yep. Yeah. So your first year in the CFL, we remember the caliber of Canadians that were playing there. Right. I mean, you had some good ones. You had, you know, you had Hitchcock out there and, yep. and some of those guys. You know I'm what, what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, you had. I mean, there was some great Canadians. Yeah. But you only had one or two on the team, mostly. Right. When you look at going into Waterloo, what was the biggest difference of seeing those Canadian kids now to, compared to where we first got into the league? Well, I was looking at it from a different
1: angle, Nick, because oh, when we was playing, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, with Hitchcock and uh, uh, Clinton Wayne, got, he went to Ohio State, Hitchcock went to Weber uh, State. You know, those guys went down to the U.S., you know, and got coached down there and then came back up and was successful. When I went to Waterloo, I mean, it was just it, – it's some – it's some great players at Waterloo like the Tyrell Fours. you know. It's guys I, – I've seen guys on that team that I feel like could uh, go down south and play, Yeah, you know. And then it, it, it was some guys that was a little, that was a little behind. But it's going to be like that on every team, you know. You go down to the U.S., there's going to be some guys that you're going to see that can play at the NFL level or the professional level, and there's going to be some guys that's that's a little behind, you know. So, I mean, it was – it, it, it was just a situation and, and looking looking at it with positive eyes and, you know, my thing was to go in there and I just wanted to teach. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't care what, what, what player you put in front of me. I always want to teach because I learned something no matter what level you at. And it's fortunate I got guys that's coaching at every level because they say, hey, no matter what level you at, Little League, you know, NFL, CFL, uh, high school, NCAA, you got to bring something to the table that can help those guys reach another level. If you can do that then you're going to be coaching for a long time because that's what they need. If I'm in the NFL, how can you get me to that second contract? How yeah. can you get me to that third contract? If I'm in NCAA, you know, how can you get me, you know, to the pros or, or get me potentially signing a professional contract, you know? If you're in high school, you go, you want to play college ball, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, you, you're still installing the principles of manhood in it because before you're a coach, you know, or anything else you do in life, you're a man. that's standing on principles, Yeah, right? I always say, that you take all that away from a person and you take the game away from the person. As you see what's happening now in 2020, what are you inside? Yep,
0: 100%. You know, so, How do you think this is going to affect those uh, CIS kids and even the NCAA kids um, with everything going on, stuff being canceled? Um, if the SEC and the Big 12 go ahead will play also. Well, let's right. go with how you think it's going to affect the kids we will go into the SEC and Big 12.
1: Well, you know, what I think is going to affect the kids uh, mentally because this is the first time it's being taken away from them. Yeah. But with the same – if you, if you think about it, though, if you really look at it from a positive mental attitude, now to give them an opportunity to really focus on something else as well. You know, I mean, maybe it's – I always say 2020, if you take the 2020, year 2020 and put vision at the end of it, it's 2020 vision. You know what I'm saying? You got the best eyesight as a human being that it can go to. So what are you seeing? What is this trying to show you? What can we get better at? It took away all the entertainment. It took away everything from you. How can you empower yourself, right? Like, take it and, 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 and you want it to be positive. Yep. Now we can always look at the negative. Like, if I'm a player, I can look at the negative. Okay, there's no football. But what can I gain from it in a positive aspect? You know, how could I grow as a man? 100%.
0: That's 100%. Have, do you think these colleges are going to extend scholarships because of the, there might be a backlog, right? So right. with guys coming well, in Nick, next year and guys being able to get an extra year.
1: Well, you know what, Nick? I, so I don't think I told you, but I recently took a cornerback position at Northwood University. Okay. Uh, congrats. You know, congrats. Yeah, working with the cornerbacks. And, you know, it's kind of the messed up everything, the plans that I had with the virus, and you know, getting across the border and, just a lot of things, you know, that's uncertain. You like, but I say I look at it from a different, you know, point of view. I look at it from a positive point of view. So something positive yeah. is in, is equally going to come out of it. But I was talking to uh, the uh, coach. Matter of fact, it was yesterday. And you know, the first two games, I already them being canceled. Camp, I read them being pushed back. I mean, it's just so much uncertainty, you know. And then me, do I want to go down there? You know, and come back across the board, I got a family that I got to sit there and make sure that I, you know, take care of them first and don't bring nothing back to them. You know, it's, yep. it's just so many, so much, you know, that's going on and uh, we got to make sure, you know, we make the right decisions, not only for ourselves, but for our family because that's what that's it's it. about. And um, it's just, it's it's a hindsight, man. It's, but like I said, it's 2020. It's a vision, you know, everything will get crystal clear and we just got to, you know, take it for what it is and, and keep inspiring and, Grow from it because something good going to come out of it. That's it. If the SEC
0: and Big 12 go ahead with their season, like obviously we can't have a champion of 2020. Right. What are we playing for? If you can't have a champion, like what are we playing for? That's what you play for, right? I know a lot right. of kids want to play to to better themselves and go to the next level, but we know 99% of those kids won't. So yep. so what's, what's what are we trying to get out of – Two conferences continuing their season. You know that's a good question, Nick. I mean,
1: and I think most of it's gonna come from within the players. You gotta find something within. Like I can say, I read a a, a, a book, "Think and Grow Rich," and one of them is the burning desire. What's your burning desire and your uh, definite purpose to do what you need to do? So that's where it's gonna. They're gonna have to find something. What's your burning desire? It might be you know you might want your father to see you play, or you you know you want to just go out there and. And conquer the guy in front of you because you know anything you conquer your own. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: That's right. It. I mean, it's it's an inside job you want to play, because there's no championship. So you're not playing for a championship now. So it gotta come from within, or you're gonna get a lot of players that's that's not gonna play.
0: Yeah. Which is understandable crazy. too. It's yeah, so
1: man.
0: I don't know how they're gonna play in the spring and then try to play next fall.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean it's and that, it's, it's new for everybody. So, it's, you know, it's like football. Nick, it's all about adjustment now. Yeah. You know, it's like going in there. They 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 done been hitting us, hitting us, hitting us with this uh, counter. And we got to figure out a way to stop it. We got to start adjusting and figuring out a way, you know, to come out of this thing on top. So, we got football uh, translate to life. We got to make an adjustment.
0: And <laughs> hey, you've been dealing with it. Like, just you just be at home and, and working on your craft. Man. Yep. I,
1: you know, working on my craft
0: after grinding to take care of the family, Nick, you know, uh,
1: uh, reading a lot of books, uh, taking notes, you know, uh, doing zoom meetings with a lot of, uh, top coaches in, in the country in the NFL uh, CFL, uh, just growing from it, man. I'm taking this opportunity to grow from it. And, um, uh, and, and like I said, it's an inside job. I look at it as a blessing and I'm gonna I'm a continue to, uh, you know, plant that seed and, and keep reading, you know, uh, uh, talking to players that's dealing with the situation and not handling it as, as good as I am, you know, and explaining to them the why.
0: Yep. You know, that makes sense because there's a lot of people putting out a lot of great content. I yes. know coaches are doing Zooms and different things. What's right. been the one thing that you think you've taken the most out of this time as far as what have you learned the most or something that really caught your attention that you didn't know before COVID? um
1: just 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 the lack of opportunities that we have as coaches you know mm. that's that's one thing that really that really you know uh stood out to me uh i read a i read an article you know with lovey smith and he was saying that he want he wanted to be a head coach in the nfl that was his dream but when he when he looked he never seen nobody on the sideline that looked like him
0: yeah
1: right as in that, in that position in a head oh. coaching position so how do you, as a young kid that won't one day become that, how do you, you know, get that opportunity if you never seen nobody in your position? And he went out there, man, he fought for it, and he ended up getting a head coach, did a job with the Chicago Bears. Yep. And um, now and at the University of Illinois, he create jobs for his half his staff is, uh, I think he, I think they got the most uh, black coaches in the NCAA. Him and uh. Him and Herm Edwards yeah. at Arizona, yeah. State.
0: Arizona State, but he said, yeah. "I want
1: to, you know, I want to give opportunities to a black coaches that's qualified. You got to be qualified, yep. right?
0: You got to be qualified.
1: qualified. Yep. So, I mean, I thought that was awesome, Nick. You know, that was just being put into that position to go in and do what you do. We're in
0: a very, I won't say strange, but it's a very different time because yep. there's a thin line, like you just said. You got to be qualified, right? Like." When we look at this, and and even I don't like talking about president and stuff like that, but Joe Biden is picking Kamala Harris, uh, the first uh, woman of color that's going to be a vice president. Right. Right. Or running to be a vice president. So my thing is there aren't or there wasn't a lot of opportunities for black coaches or, you know, coaches of color. I'll just say that. Yes. Right. We don't see that a lot. And when you get the opportunity, and I look at a guy like Clay, right, who's not cut like everybody else, but one of the most intelligent people you could ever be around. Yep. Right. And um, even like a guy like Mike O'Shea, who wore shorts, and they were like, coaches can't wear shorts on the sideline. Right. And he wears his shorts. Right. And people look down on that, yep. at, but but we look at this fine line. Of needing more black coaches, having more black coaches, being qualified to be in those positions. Right. What do you think the course of action? I see they just changed the NFL now. You got to interview two black coaches instead of one for every job. Like, do you think that's going to help? And how do you see this whole dynamic playing out uh, right now where it stays fair? Or where yes. it goes fair, where you're getting the job based on your merit, not your color. Right. Uh, I think it's about you know, uh, demanding,
1: right? You got, you got to demand. And like I always say, it's an inside job. We got to make sure that when we do get the opportunity, you know, we take advantage of it because you need to start getting guys in position who can help, you know, instead yeah. of being, you know, being a head coach, okay, let's get, some, let's get some ADs, you know what I'm saying? When we doing the interview process, who is in that room? You, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, that's why I always say, I it always start with us, it's, it's an inside job. You know, you were just talking about Clay, you know, and one thing, that I, uh, I, I, I all the players that play for Clay love them.
0: Yeah, you, know? you don't all meet people that they, don't love playing for
1: Clay. Exactly, and, and one thing Clay was doing, it was getting hot. You guys was getting hot, Nick, at the end of, that, the end the of last year, going on the road. You know what I'm saying? But it it it, it, it the thing is, you know, you you had somebody in position, you know, and then you had Ed over him, yeah, Herbie, you know, and that and, and that 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 it was nice, and it was a it was a blessing. I wish I wanted to see Clay get more time though, oh, cool. cause I you know I was rooting for him, yeah, as well as I was <clears throat> rooting for Mike O'Shea, cause he's a guy that we played with, you know, yeah. to see him get his opportunity. But I just think, man, just demanding and, and being prepared when the opportunity come. And, and making sure that we you know create opportunities for you know other guys that probably would never have opportunity if we weren't in the position that we in. Like I said, Darrell Adams, you know, gave me yep. my opportunity, you know, and and, and Chris patoya you know, he signed off on it, right? Yep. But it, it was the inside job, and I made sure I was qualified. Where Joe Higgins gave me the opportunity to coach prep school. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's it's we just got to keep on, man, keep on uh, being great. You know, going through the greatness. I always talk about the greatness being baptized, baptized, baptized going through the baptism in our fire and coming yep. out on top.
0: That's it. So, it's a you know, and that's one of the things is like we do need more black GMS. Yeah. Because if if the NFL, and even if you look at the CFL, you know it's over fifty percent black. Right. Right. So players are going to relate to people that look like them as well. And I'm not saying we should we should get rid of all the white coaches because that'd just be dumb. Right, because there's some great white coaches. There's, there's some great, great there's coaches. That, yeah. Great coaches, right. So, great coaches out there. And I mean, I just I find it that it's still silly that we even have to talk about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's still, it's still yep. silly that we have to talk about it. But, yes. you know, some people that make decisions don't like certain images right some people that make decisions you know one thing might turn them off about you but it might be a part of your culture yes you know yes. what i'm saying no and that's they didn't true. grow up with that culture so they don't they understand relate to it, it but they don't right. understand it so now they don't like that you you know doing something that is not generic to right. the way the coach is supposed to look. I mean, we're, we're going to a world where you're going to have CEOs. I mean, you still, you're still you starting to have them now that have full arm sleeve tattoos. Yep. Right? Exactly, We're, we're yeah. going to a world where you're going to have coaches with multiple tattoos and, and different things. And I don't think – I think we should be getting out of a what-you-should-look-like mold. I mean, not right. just with color, but just with the aspect of – just quit judging people, judging by the merit of their character and what they want to do and not yep. by the way they look. And, and
1: right, and absolutely go back to what I said earlier. You know, before anything else, you know, who are you inside? You yeah. know, a man. I mean, with everything that's going on, everybody talking about, you know, I was talking to one of my friends down in Tennessee. He was just talking bad about the cops. And I was like, well, wait, ho- ho- wait a minute. All cops is not bad cops. Exactly. I said, all cops is not bad cops. I don't care what color color you are. You know, all cops is not bad cops. You got some bad cops out there. Yep. You got some bad lawyers out there. You got bad preachers out there. But you also got good cops out there. You know, you got good lawyers. You got good preachers. It's about what you stand on inside. And it come down to them principles that I'm talking about, the principles of manhood. Yeah. That you got to stand by and be willing to die for before you violate them.
0: Yep. So well, let's talk about that because who you are today, you right. know, man of principle, man of faith, and, and you know where you want to go and what you want to accomplish. How yes. did that start? Like, let's talk about when you started when growing up in Knoxville. Yep. You were a little jit. Right, little right. jits running through the streets. <laughs> uh, what, yeah. what, what was it like growing up in Knoxville? And, um, and when did you start everything? playing sports? Well, grow, growing up in Nashville, I started playing sports at eight years old. You know, we had, you know,
1: down there, Nick, everything about football, you know, football in church. Your yeah. grandmother gonna make sure you're in church, you're <laughs> gonna make sure you're standing on them principles, right? That's it. My pops was, he was, a, he was a great football player, so everywhere I went, I was John Bradley's son. You know, he ended up getting hurt, uh, he told the story where his backup ended up going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I come along and he, he still don't, he, he had to take care of me. So. I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to continue to play and, you know, continue that legacy. Uh, so I started playing at eight years old, and I loved the game. And my first position was center, man. Really? They played center, yeah. I was out there. They looking for a center, man. I was a natural <laughs> snapper. I was snapping that ball. So I went home, but they said, boy, what position they got you playing? I said, center. They said, oh, no. <laughs> he said, we, we got to go up to that field. I got to talk to Coach, so they moved me to running back, and uh, we had some great running backs, man. We, had, we got some great talent in Knoxville. And then I went on to Fortin High School, played at Fortin, uh, under Buck Coatney and Robbie Black, man, and those guys was awesome, Nick, just everything that I learned from them. If you know about Knoxville, it's a violent city. I mean, football was the way out. You know, we had a lot of players. That, you know, there was great players that got caught up in that, you know, and, and it, that's why I want to coach because I want to be that guy that can go into the inner-city neighborhood and recruit and give guys opportunities that they probably, you know, would never have if you don't go in there and find them. It's kind of yeah. finding them diamond in the rough, but there's some ballers. But yeah. a lot of people don't want to go in those neighborhoods,
0: yep. you know. They come with and a lot of baggage. It, exactly.
1: But one thing that's happening is changing now, Nick, because we got guys down there, uh, like we got uh, Carlos Younger and, and Big Will, you know, recruiting, uh, recruiting uh, program down there that's helping guys get out of you know, the inner city and getting college scholarships. You know, Roy Gills. Like, those guys are doing an awesome job. We're giving guys opportunities, man. So uh, then I went to MTSU. Got an opportunity to go to MTSU. You know, that was when a blessing. You,
0: but before we get there, when you was growing up in Knoxville, yep. who was the biggest influences around you? Was it just your dad or was there other influences, like, when you was little and, and getting into it? Um, it was my, my dad, it was a guy. Uh, my cousin, my
1: older cousin, Billy Williams, who with the Alcord and he went on to go to the University of Tennessee, and he got drafted into the NFL. I remember Nick going to watch him play against uh, University of Florida, and mm-hmm. he hit them boys up. I was telling Shy a story yesterday. Man, he hit them boys up for three tubs. I remember the commentator said, hey, you ain't never seen four three speed? you just seen it now. <laughs> 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 so, so watching, he, he nicknamed Turk. So watching Turk, man, and I remember telling my dad, I said, I'm going to play in this stadium one day, and I'm going to do the same thing Turk did. At that time, I was playing receiver, so I thought I was going to go out there and score three touchdowns. Yeah. But, you know, guy had another plan, and I went out there, and, nigga, I had one of my best games in college football at the University of Florida in the Swamp, right? Mm-hmm. And, that, and it was just something that I said I was going to do at 13 years old.
0: Did you play any other sports growing up? Like, was football the first sport you played?
1: Uh, football was the first sport I played. I always ran track. You know, I always ran track, and I played basketball as well. So those were my three sports.
0: What can, you do no, the, had a, what can you do in What can you do on the court? You shooter, yeah, you
1: flasher, you defensive I, player. Like what do you I, what do, you do? I, I was a little, I was a shooter, man. I had I had a nice shooter. little jumper. I had a nice jumper. Look, and at 40, one of our goals was a little lower than the other one. So it gave me an opportunity, you know, so <laughs> to not dunk, but I laid a ball up and grabbed grab the wheel like I dunked.
0: <laughs> I used to so, always we, say, man, I had game like I used to score like AI, play just right. like GP. And I used to rebound like KG. <laughs>
1: hey, man. We had some great ball players, boy. We had, you know, like, guys like Chris Wiley. Uh, man, we had uh uh, uh Underwood Shell, uh, you know what I'm saying, Brian Tate. Like, we had some ballers come out of Fort, man. And uh yeah. those guys right there, you know, you always – Joe Kimber, like, the, I call those guys the OGs. Those guys that I always looked up to, you know, and the Shannon Mitchell's from Alcor. He play, went on to go play at the University of Georgia and go to the NFL. But, man, those guys right there – it's guys that I always looked up to. And I knew I, if I wanted to uh, just be anywhere close to those guys, I got to keep representing and go out and ball out, man. That was, my, that was my burning desire.
0: Did your dad push you to pursue scholarships out of high school? Because, um, like I say, he, he, he had been down that road. Was that an added benefit of having him in the corner, knowing what you needed to do to, to get to college? Yes,
1: because he made me believe I can do anything I put my mind to as long as I work for it.
0: Mm, and good.
1: he's like, no matter what the advantages are, you know, one of my favorite scripts is though a just man falls seven times, he should not be utterly cast out. You know, you're going to follow it, You better have that get, get up spirit like David had, yeah. you know, and that's what I got inside of me. So no matter what I'm going through, I know if I got a goal in mind, i got the burning desire, I'm going to accomplish it. You no, know, I don't know how long it's going to take, Nick, but I yeah. know it's gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. So he, it. he he was real influence in my life, man would push me. So that's why I love to see when dads push their son. A lot of people don't like that. They, you know, they feel like they're pushing their son too, but no, nah, I push your son because yeah. you 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 know, you out for his best interests.
0: I I'm I'm kind of on that thin line. Like if you want my help, you can come ask for it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force you to go outside and work and, right. and do things. Um, you know, my daughter's pretty talented, but we'll see what happens. But we'll see that, if, it's in the bloodline, Nick.
1: She's gonna be yeah. all right.
0: Yeah, soccer or basketball.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. It's funny, Nick. my daddy put his film on, man. and uh I, he was nice. He always said, Boy, I can I can, I can break on a quarter, and make two dimes in the nickel. <laughs> he, 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 was, he was going to Kentucky. He was going to Kentucky before he got hurt, University yeah. of Kentucky. And uh and another guy, Nick, I gotta mention him because he, you know, he was he was a big influence in my life. And uh, his sister was my um was my sister's uh you know, godmother. And that's Leroy Thompson, who went on mm-hmm. from Knoxville to play at Penn State. He played with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, watching Leroy in high school, I mean, sh- hey, I was going to be Leroy Thompson. <laughs> 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 but he a good mentor of mine too, man. Somebody I could call to this day to give me some information.
0: Man, you've always surrounded yourself by good people. That's awesome. Yeah. Getting to Middle Tennessee, was that the only option you had? Did you have other scholarships? So how did you get there? Nope. Uh,
1: in school, all I wanted to do was play football. Yeah.
0: That's why
1: I'm, I stress the importance of, of education to my guys now, because my mindset and oh, I'm just gonna go to the NFL, you know, make all these millions of dollars, and and, and that's what it, that's what it is. That was my focus. Yeah. So I remember when the University of Tennessee came and uh, they they came and talked to me. And the first day they said, "Boy, it looked like the only thing you 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 seen was the football field." <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, "You got You got to go to school. You got to take school seriously, man. Or we, you know, you you won't be able to get out for the scholarship." Uh, we talked about some Prop 48, and, and then we talked about the JUCO option. Yeah. So I was getting recruited by you know a couple of guys. I had Penn State. I had NC State. You know, I had a couple of, uh, of, of great schools coming out to I me. Mean, uh, I was working at Pizza Hood at the time. I remember the coach from Penn State. It was. It's like, man, I hope you ain't getting fat on me. <laughs> so I ain't getting fat, coach. But
0: no, bread breadsticks, and cheese. Sticks. Exactly. Exactly.
1: But well, uh, the the good thing about MTSU was, you know, they was going D one the, the following year, and I'm looking at their schedule. Now I had two. I, I could have went D. I could have went big time and and, and as a prop forty eight or go to go JUCO. I could have went the JUCO route. So. I was thinking about going to Hines Community College in Mississippi, you know, and that's where Fred smooths, a lot of guys from Mississippi State go down there. But uh, once MTSU showed me that schedule, man, I wanted to be part of the greatness, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where I, could, where I could make a change.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: My cousin went the JUCO route, and um, the thing with that was, man, I only had two years to play, and you know, I wanted to play more than two years in university. Yeah. So, I ended up going to MTSU, and I, but I had to sit out my first year because I had a prop. I had to go as a Prop 48. I don't know if they still do the Prop 48 now, Nick. Bless you. Uh, but we had a bunch of guys, man, a bunch of Prop 48s and you know, some ballers. And yeah. A lot of guys got NFL opportunities. But it was a blessing in disguise for me. I feel like I always, I always tell myself I made the right decision because most of those guys that I played ball with uh, was best man in my wedding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was <laughs> Key on no there? Logic. Was Key
0: on there when you were there? Nick Keon came after me. Came right after you, then
1: he came right after me. But I was always there with Keon, okay. so we'd go out there. Keon did the one-on-ones with me and Lacio, and then Keon went on to, uh, to to the NFL with the Titans before making his way on up to Canada. Yeah, yeah, Keon, man, it's my guy, baller. MTSU, I tell him we got some ballers there, there
0: between MTSU and uh, Eastern Washington, right? Yeah, and even Montana, right? Like Montana, there's some yeah. there's some schools out there that don't get a lot of notice but there's a lot of great players that come from there why do you we think had that is great, because we had great coaches mm. we had great
1: coaches i had coach andy mccullum did a real good job of putting the staff together for that year we had uh like i said uh coach bird the receiver coach came from the nfl in tulane uh larry fedor was our officer coordinator he he was at uh he was the head coach at north carolina uh, coach Wickline, the offensive line coach, you know, he you Google him, but he's still coaching. I think he at Texas right now. Uh, Casey Rogers, you
0: Casey know, Rogers. got it,
1: Texas. I got, yep, I got it. I, you know, I still tagged to this day. Yeah, uh, exactly. Hey, he, man, Casey I, Rogers get that Nick. work.
0: He went to Tennessee.
1: Yeah, he went to Tennessee. He Casey uh, didn't go to Tennessee, did he? Yeah, oh. he went to Tennessee, man. Can you hear me, Nick? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, he went. He went to Tennessee. He um, uh, he uh, coach. He, he went on to coach. You know, I'm saying, uh, where did coach go after that? He went to the NFL. After us, he went to the NFL. He Who coached for Dallas. Of, I'm
0: thinking of a D tackle from Texas. They used to get that word. Yeah, now nah, coach man, Coach Ryan, He was the he was the D coordinator for the Jets. Okay. And
1: and now he coaching at Tampa Bay. He the D line coach at Tampa Bay. Nick, one of the awesome. greatest coaches. Man, I had a, a chance to play for man, and to this day. I call him he answers the phone. I get advice from him
0: too. That's my OG. You know more coaches' names. I, I mean, I probably can't even go back to college right now and name all the coaches that, that I had seen in college. Of course, you know being in division two, a lot of the coaches that I had were were GAs. so I had a bunch of guys right out of college right out of college that were general you know general assistants um, right that needed to get their master's or whatever. That they was mm-hmm. getting paid for to do the work. So you're right. I just had a bunch of GAs. You ever had any coaches you didn't get along with along the way?
1: Uh, I won't say get along with. I would say we had a couple of disagreements. But we, you know, one thing I learned, my daddy always taught me. You know, you agree, you 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 agree to disagree. You know, everything ain't always gonna. You ain't always gonna agree with. You know, your wife and your wife ain't always gonna agree with you. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, you agree to disagree. So, I had some coaches that, you know, we done agreed to disagree. And, uh, but at the end of the day, we come out and, we know, we both trying to reach the ultimate goal. And we're going to figure out the problem, the solution to the problem, and get, it, get the job done.
0: So. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, college coaches to me, there's a lot of college coaches out there that just talk reckless. You know, I remember I had a coach. He came in and the first thing he said was, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your coach. Yeah, and he had a book in his office. It was um uh, "How to Make Friends for Dummies." Oh man, I'm like, man, this dude really just ain't got no kind of like he don't know how to make friends. He, so I already <laughs> seen how this was gonna go, right? You know, you know me, I'm, and I'm at Southern Arc, and it, I'm trying to think of what year he was there. Okay, and uh, it might have been my last year. I don't, I don't, I don't remember, but at this point, I was a starter. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I didn't get along with him at all. It got to the point where I told him, if you ain't got nothing to say about football, don't talk to me. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I ain't
1: really had too many coaches like that, that I, that I could say, you know, most of the coaches that I had, they, they, they pretty much was good coaches, you know, good man. I mean, you know, when you get to the pro level, it become a business now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take, a notion of uh, responsibility because you know that's what you ch- that's you chose to be in that position. Yeah, you know you can't take nothing personal. It's all a, it's all a business. You know the coach yeah, might I'm, like you, but the GM might hate you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's true, right? Yeah, um, but it, but in college, man, I'm, it got bad. I remember one yeah. time I was sitting there like going in on him. He's like, I'm right. He's like, Well, I'm standing right here. I can hear everything you're saying. I'm like, well, if you don't like it, you can walk over there. <laughs> right? And then after right. one game, he came in. I had, like, 170 or something like that, and a couple of touchdowns. And okay. He came in, tried to, you know, tried to dab me up. Yeah. I said, what are you doing? Like, I said, we not cool. Don't don't oh. come in here and act cool with me. Right, like, right. Like, if we out there, you can coach me. In here, don't talk to me. Right. I turned around on him. Like, see, my thing is – you know, say respect is is earned and not yes. given, and and when you come in here and you try to, and you don't know somebody, right, right. You come in here, you don't know me, but you're gonna you're gonna make these statements and you're gonna try to rule with an iron fist, and because that's what you believe in and all this other stuff. Why don't you build relationships with the people because you're ultimately you're trying to be make them better men. Exactly. are trying to make them better the,
1: people. But look at the response he got from you doing that though, Nick.
0: Yeah. yeah right. I didn't like that.
1: No, I mean you get that. I mean, I I really never uh, got that. But that's my coaching approach too. Like I want to I want to coach a, a person a player hard. You know what I'm saying? And then we can work on the talent.
0: Yeah. Right. I'm gonna
1: teach you. The, I'm gonna teach you the game of football. So I mean, most of the guys, like I said, I've still got contact to all
0: those coaches now, so yeah. they let you know what type of man they were Exactly. And and I don't, I've never had a problem being coached hard. Right. Like even in Montreal when uh, Jock son was the receiver coach and he was young, he was in his twenties. Okay. And, um, you know, when we, we were in a, the inner squad scrimmage or whatever, um, you know, you put on for the fans that you do at the near the end of training camp. Yep. And um, yeah, man, I ran the wrong route. I came to sidelines I was like, man, I ran the wrong round. He goes, it's all right, Nick, you know it. I was like, no, it's not all right. I was like, you right. got to coach me. I said like, you got right. like to coach me like you coach him. One, don't ever set me aside because I don't want anybody to think that I'm different. I don't yeah. want any receiver to look and say, oh, well, they treat Nick different. Right, right. Right. I don't ever want you to, you got to coach me like you coach everybody else. Because one, that's your, that's your credibility. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Everybody's going to have different opportunities, but you got to treat people, you know, I'm going to coach everybody the same. Right. Now, this person right. might get a couple extra opportunities to mess up than this person. Yep. But you got you to gotta coach everyone the same because you got to set a standard and coach everyone the same. You just
1: said it, though, Nick. You set the standards and the expectations. I was talking to a coach in the NFL, and he was like, man, when I first got there, you know, I'm coaching up out it first year and the rookie guys – and, you know, I think it was a uh, 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 barber came up to him like, Coach, man, well, you know, I see what you're doing down there with them young guys. Why don't you coach me up? He did the Bill Walsh Minority Program. He was doing that, right? And he was like, bam, what am going to teach you? You know, you uh, Rondé Barber, you know, you, you pro bowler, Blasier. Blasier, he was like, no, I need you to coach me up. I want to learn everything that they learned." He wanted to be coached up. You got I think to. Sometimes it's a mindset as a coach when you get a great player. You know, they don't want – they really – it's a reason that they're great. Them yeah. guys want to stay great. You know what I mean? So they want to, any little thing they can get, it's like me as a coach. Any little thing I can get, I'm going to take. You know, I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to stay hungry. You, Nick, I'm, and, 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 and one thing I always say, man, I tell my players, stay hungry, stay humble. I'm going to coach you up. You know, I'm going to give you everything you need to go out there and succeed because that's what it's all about. So I had a meeting with uh, Northwood DBs not too long ago to break the ice. You know, the yeah. de coordinator was on there, the DB coach was on there. Uh, Antoine. So first thing I told him, look, I'm not asking for nobody respect. I want to earn it, that's but right. I'm always going to give mine. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you. Oh, he, cause they already put it coach. Like coach, they put your highlight up. They don't watch you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it, it, good. But guess what? I'm going to come in. I'm going to earn my respect, you know, cause that's, that's what it. it's all about, man. As a
0: man. That's it. And, but you build in those relationships. So once you build the relationship, now when times get tough, Right. They know where it's coming from. Absolutely. If you don't build the relationship, you can't just walk in and start yelling at people. You didn't build nothing. I don't know where it's coming from. That's what it is. Yeah. You gotta know where it's coming from.
1: If the house ain't got no foundation, it's gonna fall, especially when the tornado come. That's it. <laughs> that thing gonna it. fall. It's only gonna stand for so long, Nick. So you gotta have a solid foundation. And that's what I predicate my coaching out for of, having a solid foundation, you know, coaching our principles and then everything else to take care of itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know yep. where it's coming from, man. Like and that's what and that's one of the biggest things for me is just understanding that fact of seeing great people like yourself, man, in, in these positions. And you know, you're going to Northwood, home of Charleston Hughes. Yeah, that's what they were saying. First day, yeah. you know Charles said?
1: Tessie, said, man, we did the interview.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's just amazing because I'm, I'm inspired, but I also know that these young men are going to get so much more than football, right? right? We talk about, I was talking to some kids and, you know, one kid was like, well, you know, I'm just, I got to have a plan B. I'm like, no, you don't have a plan B. You have a life plan because yeah. you can't play sports for the rest of your life, even if you go pro. Right. That's Absolutely. not plan B. See, most people think you got to have a plan B if you don't make it. Right. No, you got to have a life plan because you can only going to play for so long anyway.
1: Exactly. So
0: always work on your life plan. So even when you're not playing football, you're working on the life plan now. And you're not. it's not a plan B. It's your life and- plan. <laughs> And kids need to
1: hear everybody need to hear that, Nick, because yeah. now look, football been taken away. You know what I'm saying? Now what you gonna go to your plan B? You see what I'm saying? Like it, it, it don't have to be an injury to take away the game of football. Yeah, it could be anything. And in 2020, is just opening up our eyes to that. Yeah. So what you telling that young man is is awesome because you you putting them onto the game.
0: That's it. <laughs> I don't care if right? you, I don't care if you're a hall of famer and play 15, 20 years. Yep. Like you need to do something after you're done playing.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly.
0: So what are you going to do? What are you setting up for your life to be and what are you going to do? And if you waiting to start it after you finish right. playing, now you're going to go through some trouble. You're going to go through some trouble and
1: that's when, and that's when it's going to hit. Yeah. But no, man, that's, that's awesome advice. And I mean, that's some of the advice I give my young man, uh, my young guys. And one thing I give them too is, you know, the reaction. I mean, we talked about reacting. I always yeah. tell them, you know, don't let nobody get you off your game. One thing football taught me, I remember I had, uh, I think it was a parent come to me one time a while, but she was like, yeah, man, um, uh, such and such says this about you. I said, oh man, I say, well, that's, that's unfortunate. I said, I'm, you know, one thing I'm not going to do is talk bad about nobody. I'm going to bless them where they are, you know, and I'm going and I'm to talk good about myself. I say, one thing football taught us, and I know you can attest to this, Nick, is we can't get high-low off what somebody say. We got people out there every weekend when we play, commentating, and they're going, if, if I get a pick and take it to the house, oh, you're the best quarterback in the world. If I jump that out, same Matt Ryder, right, you run a, a wheel route on me, <laughs> and I get beat, oh, he's terrible. So you got to treat praise, and, you know, you got to treat praise and criticism the same. The you same. know, and, and you can't—you cannot get high for either one of them. 100%. And if it's not somebody that inspire you, somebody that you look up to, you know, somebody who words, mean something to you, then you just, you don't empower that person. You just let it go. And that's one thing, that's, it's tough for a lot of people, but they got, that's, that's something that I learned through the game of football.
0: Yeah, man, that's, you gotta treat it the same. Got to treat the same. Got to treat the same. Can't you can't hate the praise. I can't hate the criticism and love the praise. Nope. It's all comes same. together. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> right, you to hear both a, at some point.
1: Exactly. It's and a, if you don't hear if you don't hear none of it, you're not gonna be there long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, they're gonna ask you.
0: You you want window? You want now <laughs> Dinner on Delta. Dinner on Delta. So. At MTSU, when did you think you could play pro football? I
1: always thought I could. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when, even when I was a prop, I was telling I said, man, I'm going pro. You know, it was, just, it was just my mindset. It was something that I had in my head ever since I was young, and, you know, I was going to work for it. Yeah. Uh, but I always, I always, especially after watching my cousin go, you know, and uh, uh, I, 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 he inspired me, and he actually inspired Renda Cobb as well. Renda Cobb put in one of his book, you know, Billy Williams, you know, inspired me. To do what I do. And once I got the MTSU, hold on, it. my wife was just calling me.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so once I got the MTSU, man, and uh, uh, we played a lot of SEC games. We played a lot of Big Ten games. I said, we might as well be in the SEC. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had, a, I had a pretty good game in Arizona. I had another good game against the University of Maryland uh, when they had uh, that big running back. I forget his name. He was a beast, though, man. I had an interception that game, a fumble recovery. So I know once I kept making them big plays in those big games, it was going to put my name, you know, on the map. And that's what it did. You know, I came out, it was uh, my senior year, I preseason All-American. Uh, my last year I was tied, first four games, I was tied with uh, uh, Fletcher from, from Wisconsin for yeah. interceptions, you know, and then I dropped all the rest of them. Nick, if I'd have caught them, I'd have led the country, man. <laughs> so if you'd so have was him, good. If you caught would have been a receiver. I know, right? So it was good and um, uh, you know, one thing led to another, but uh uh I got the big kid. And that's yeah. one thing that got me, you know. I start seeing my name on all these NFL sites, you know. I start talking to these agents at the end of the year and got the big head. I'm thinking, oh, my talent is just gonna be enough to get me to where I need to go. Lacio messed me up. Hey, Lacio, I told Lacio, man, uh I told him all the time too. I said, man, you messed me up. He said, why? I because I'm recovering. He's like, woo, boy, you, you, hey, you can, you can play in Chicago right now. You know, I'm still in college. He is Chicago. Yeah. You know, I'm locking him down. I'm like, I'm locking down the NFL. So all that, you know, got to the head, and uh, and I stopped working as hard. I wasn't as hungry, Nick, and I haven't even got there. And, but in my mind, I was already there. So yeah. I, instead of getting drafted, I ended up going free agent. Signed a free agent deal to Buffalo. You know, my, my, uh, my workout thinking all I had to do was run a 40, a good 40, which I ran a decent 40. But not knowing that I'm the only DB, them drills they finna put me through was finna be a beast. Yeah, I was so tired, man. I ain't never been that tired before in my life. I remember the uh, coach from the Saints was like, man, you know what, we just gonna throw the ball. I was like, oh, here we go. (laughs) Because you know I went to the Hula Bowl as well. Yeah. In Hawaii and Maui. How was that? It was nice. We had some good players, man. Brian Westbrook was our running back. Uh, mm. You know, Maj- Major Applewhite was our quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, Steve, Spurrier.
1: Steve Spurrier, Steve Bob Stoops was our coaches. You know, so it was good. It was a good experience. It was a long flight. Yeah, long flight. But you know, the, the New York Giants got this package that you probably had to fill it out for the NFL as well. This big thick package that you filled out. So we flew from um, when we once we caught the flight from San Francisco to Hawaii. <laughs> That package took three hours. By the time he was done, <laughs> he was in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, so I know everything. I mean, yeah, man. But I, you know, I reached one of my goals. I mean, one of my goals was to sign an NFL contract, and I did that. You know, the end of my NFL career didn't, you know, pan out the way I wanted it to. Like like a lot of people, but uh, you know, it's one of my goals, and I don't blame nobody but myself. You know, because I could have worked hard at the end and and, and did what I supposed to do and made some different decisions to make that happen, and I didn't. So that's yeah. why I started my gym. That's one of the reasons I started my gym.
0: Just to be that influence to help guys. Yep. Because I didn't
1: want nobody to make that same mistake that I made. You know, I want them to always be ready.
0: Yeah. How was yep. NFL Europe?
1: <clears throat> oh, it was nice. Man, Hank was my quarterback.
0: Really? Over yeah, man.
1: Then? Yeah, Hank was my quarterback, man. Harry Burris was a quarterback. But Nick, it was nice, man. We you know, we had some great players over there. Sid Irwin. you know, Michael Irvin nephew. Uh yeah. so it was good. I met a couple of you know, great coaches over there, like uh, Richard Kitt, who coaching yep. in Saskatchewan right now. You know, we still out, but it was awesome, Nick. I had a ball.
0: Yeah. Had a ball. How was life over there? I, I've heard stories that life was great in NFL Europe.
1: Oh, it was, man. They, I mean, they treated you with the, with a lot of respect. It's crazy because, you know, over there, it's the soccer. Everything about soccer. But they loved the football, though, man. I mean, the games was packed week in and week out. My roommate Kendall Newsom was over there. He was with Fire, So, you know, we had that competition. He had another receiver that talked a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was it, it was good, man. Just the competition over there was great, you know, and it was good to see a lot of those guys go back to the NFL and become pro bowlers.
0: Yeah. That's what um what's his name for the um Steelers? Um Oh, James Harrison. James Harrison.
1: Yeah. I heard stories ahead. about
0: James Harrison. He got cut by NFL Europe like two or three times. Somebody got hurt. He yep. came back and just destroyed it, and then ended up going into his career. So it's crazy how that how that can happen to exactly. the magnitude of. You know, I think it's a. I think for a lot of people, it's the maturity and the switching mindset. It is. It's the greatness
1: mindset. We always talk about the mindset of greatness, right? He had to go through that fire. He went through that fire, but he didn't give up, though, Nick. That's the thing. That's the difference. He
0: kept going.
1: He kept going and then look how it panned out for
0: him. You talk to your your kids or your young men about it's not really all talent.
1: Yes. We talk about that. You know, it's it's about being in the right situation, you know, having somebody that really, you know, want to give you the opportunity. And that's in the, in the corner fighting for you. Yeah. You know, good good thing with me. I had Cavus Reed up in the CFL. He was the one who gave me my opportunity up here and fighting for me. So, yeah. you know, so I want to thank him for that. It was an a, a absolute blessing, you know, to have him in my corner.
0: When you look at um, coming to Canada, have you ever heard about CFL?
1: I did. Uh, I used to watch it a, a little bit, but I remember Colt was up here. Jermaine yeah. Colton was up here. So, uh we used to watch this some of the games that come on. And then I uh, then when they when they told me I was going to Hamilton, you know, I went on first thing I had to do was find out where Hamilton was. And they sit <laughs> in the film and you know, I'm I'm looking, I'm like, whoo, boys running down the line at you. It was just a whole, it was a completely different game for me. Yeah. So but I was excited about the opportunity though.
0: That's Not it. knowing,
1: you know, what it was gonna turn out to be. And it, you know, me still living in Canada.
0: Yeah, beautiful country, man. It's beautiful awesome. country,
1: man. Great people. I mean, I, I have nothing bad to say about Canada.
0: Yeah. The um when you when you first came out, your first start was against the Calgary St. Peters, I believe. Yes. Yep. Henry Burris goes down. A young man by the name of Jason Gesser comes in. Right. Heisman hopeful, Jason Gesser. Yep. And uh, Steve Barato looks at Jason Gesser and says, do not throw the field hitch. (laughs) Calls the play. Tell
1: us what happened next. Man, I picked that thing off and took a 70-something yards to the house. It's it's funny, though, Nick, because uh, that was my strength. My strength was reading the quarterback three step and now Pierce just the one step. And Henry Burris knew that when I was at NFL Europe. You know, that's one thing I did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump at rap. You know, I'm gonna read that quarter. I'm gonna get my read from that quarterback, and then it's gonna tell me what that receiver doing. You know, so I'm gonna go from quarterback to the receiver here, but I'm breaking. So I knew if he threw that field side hitch, I was picking it off and I'm taking it to the house. You know, because everybody I was known for breaking on hitches. Yeah. Everybody knew that. So when I got the opportunity, and I was already hungry now. Keep in mind, Nick, this was week eight, I want to say. It was week seven, week eight. Till then I was on the practice roster. Mm. And the same thing I did in that game, I was doing all, all my whole career in uh, practice, while I was on the practice roster. And I remember somebody saying, man, why, you ain't, why they ain't playing you? I said, don't worry, my time will come. It's going to happen. I said, I'm not, same thing I said, I'm not going to rush it. Yeah. When I get the opportunity, it's you, you'll see. And he was like, "Man, you, you. If I was you, I would just. I I'd tell him, forget that, man. I go home. I said, know no matter, man, that I am.' But <laughs> what would you I gonna say, do at home? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not going back home. No, I'm gonna make am I'm gonna take advantage of the opportunity. So I went to practice with a smile on my face, you know. And I, uh, it was funny because I want to say, Ervin Justin had tweaked the hamstring.
0: Yeah.
1: And Ervin, came to me. was like, "Man, he's trying to get me to play, but I, you been out here doing your thing. You need the opportunity. So Ervin was like, "I'm not. I'm going." I can't play. I ain't gonna go out there and you make myself look bad. So they had to play me, Nick. I remember watching TSE and they were like, yeah, they are starting the rookie cornerback, and you know, it's talking about me. I went over there and I went early and I was prepared. I had my mind my was ready to go. I wish they could play the four, the game was played at four o'clock. Because I wouldn't have to wait. <laughs> but when I got the opportunity, man, that ball was in the air. I said, here we go. Thank you. I snatched it, man. Was that a sideline? I looked at the fans. I pointed to the back of my uh, jersey, man. I want them to see that, Bradley. Because I wanted them to know you're gonna see that for a long time to come in the hammer.
0: It was like soon as you picked it, the ball was in the air. Yeah. It was just like soon as you picked it off, you took three within three steps. Ball right. was in the air, and you was running <laughs> With down the, the ball field. The air.
1: Nick, I was I'm lined like, up.
0: you can't catch nobody up. if you throw a field hitch, and it gets picked off. You're not catching. it. It's a wrap.
1: You ain't catching it. No catch kid. I was lined up 11 yards off, so I was baiting him. So when he looked at me, I'm 11 yards off. Ain't no way he breaking on this hitch right He thought he had it, man. And then you guys turned around and did a hitch and go on me. And I, I always tell my guys, if you pick off a hitch and take it to the house, do not bite on the next hitch. If you know, that hitch come, <laughs> set you up. So I knew it was coming. I get the interception. Uh, so I had two interceptions my first game. Coke came to me like, boy, what is it? your birthday? <laughs> 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 and and the rest was history, Nick, but I was waiting yeah. for the opportunity when it came.
0: And that's, what, that's just how I'm built. Yeah, that mindset, man. It's... Yeah. And when you look back at when you say, you know, being there and not being there, like when you were in college, like your mindset, you was already there and you, right. and you cheated yourself. To that moment in Hamilton, that first game, just the growth of everything you've been through that created yep. that mentality. That you was preparing for that moment, and you seized that moment. Can you just right. talk about that growth?
1: It, it, man, it, you know what I always say. You know, when you you gotta when you, when you go through things, you gotta learn from them. So I learned from you know my past um, mistakes and missed opportunities. You know, and I and I didn't wanna I didn't wanna put myself in that position again. You know, so I I told myself when I get that opportunity, you know, I'm gonna definitely take advantage of it. So, my mindset was a whole lot different now, Nick. You know, I worked, my work ethic was just crazy. I had yeah. hired me a personal trainer, you know, and uh, I was ready to go when, when the time was when the opportunity came. You know, I always talk about the greatness of my mindset, you know, baptism in that fire.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Anybody else would have quit. Like you was talking about James Harrison, man. After getting cut twice, somebody else would have quit. No, nah, but he, it was something inside, it was an inside job. You know, he had a burning desire can make something happen. And it's the same thing with me. I had that burning desire to make a name for myself. It didn't matter what lead I was in. You know, I always say, you know, you got to play where your feet are. My feet was in the CFL right at that moment. So I had to go make a name in the CFL, and it was one of the best things that happened to me in life.
0: It was God's plan. That's it. Yeah. Then going to Edmonton, how was that change, uh, going from the East to the West? Well, the big change, Nick, was once I got released
1: by Hamilton after I hurt my shoulder, the camp was already going on. So I'm on the couch. You know, I'm still working out, but you know what they say, man. They sign, they sign you off the couch, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't get a chance to go through training camp. So, and you know, as an athlete, boy, we need that training camp.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? So I remember, uh, I remember, you know, just talking to Cavis, and he was like, you know, we're going to make a move soon. You know, we're going to make a move soon. And they end up signing me. Uh, the first game was against Saskatchewan. So I get to uh, practice, you know, Rich Stubler was the head coach, I mean, was the defensive coordinator. And he was like, what's up, killer? <laughs> <laughs> first thing he said to me. And, uh, man, I get out there, and I'm thinking, you know, Cavus will give me a couple of weeks, you know, to get my legs back under me. Man, I get to practice, Cavus come down there, and be like, what you doing? I'm standing on the side. He's like, get out there. You're my field side corner. I'm like, hoo, 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 here we go. So good. Th- <laughs> good thing for me though is I had Chris Thompson, a guy man. that I played with at Hamilton, and you know we played. He played field half, and I was field corner. So I knew what Chris was doing. He knew how I played. So that chemistry, you know, it helped me out a whole lot, man. And uh, I went out there and we did our thing. But but my legs was gone though, Nick. That dude's
0: that special first? too. CT. Yeah,
1: man. CT ooh. a beast. CT a beast. He gonna bring that, that dude, play
0: out of you. Ooh, that dude special. Yes, sir. Man, I don't know awesome. how we released him in Montreal. I think that was the dump. Like, I won't even get into all that, but Chris Thompson is a special creature.
1: Yeah, and it's good now because he's coaching. He's coaching at Nickel State. I know. So now,
0: so now those guys
1: are getting that greatness from I'm going to have
0: him on soon. Because okay. I remember one time we threw a, a go route, Johnny, uh, right. down the sideline, right? CT's just outside the hash. And yep. he's backpedaling. He's guarding the dude down the seam in the middle. And he spins out, goes over the shoulder, catches it. And then I'm like, dude, this dude right here, he covers ground. Hey, he got long he co- legs. He exactly. covers the ground. And, and, then he and always the – he got great hands. And he got great –
1: CT catch everything. I haven't seen him drop the interception, Nick. And, and the one thing he always say, too, boy, I ask, like, Nick, I say, CT, man, I think this out route coming he look at me and say, go make a play, killer. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I, it sound I like you too. Hey, I got you over the top. You know, the same thing Brandon Lynch would tip. Go, go make a play. I got you over the top. But yeah, man, CT, man, he going to cover that ground. He, hey, somebody might take him eight steps, he going to do it in four.
0: Yeah. Dude, that dude was yeah. special.
1: Yeah, it was an honor and a blessing. Man, I, I want to do, a like,
0: a feature on some of these guys because, like I was talking to Chad was about Andre Dury. Yes. That dude special. Like there's yeah. so many guys that don't get talked about, right? Maybe it was an injury, or maybe there was a couple other players around that got more of the the notice. Yes, like there were some guys that when I when I think back, it's like, man, them dudes, them dudes was special. There was some dogs there. I used to Just like, people I... it was like an old line, Ben Archibald. He was right, right. Man, I remember we used to run the toss, and um, we call it. 38 or 39 pit. Okay. So, you know, pitch basically. Pit. It started with a P, so it was a pitch play. Right. It's the same side pitch. So he catch, just toss it over there. And every time he's running to, to Archie's side, before when we're breaking the huddle, Archie did a job. I got the edge. <laughs> and when he said he, he had the edge, the edge did he? he had the edge. Because you could oh, tell man. Joffrey trusted it 100% because Joffrey would catch the ball. Yeah. Out on a full sprint because he knows he's running to the edge. Because, exactly. you know, usually you want to stretch it and put one foot cut. But right. when Archie said he got that edge. You catch it, you go. You go. Ain't yeah. no one foot cut. <laughs> Stretching that thing out and getting up that outside the numbers. Right. And um, Yeah, man, that Archie's special. Um, you know, when we had those three, man, we had Archie and then uh, Edwin Harrison and, and then Stanley Bryant. Yeah, L. Stanley Brown, yeah. Now, y'all always had dogs out there, though, man, man, I, I, man. I'm on
1: both sides of the ball. Like, y'all yeah. always had some dogs, man. That organization, you know, was they, – they did a really good job of finding talent out there.
0: Yeah, man. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but to talk about sports, but to talk about the intricacies of, of what really happens on the field, right, and right. to know that you have players like that. I remember watching Omar Morgan and Eddie Davis do it for a long. Time. Yeah, oh, them, hey, them guys can All get right. some dogs, boy. Whenever you, whenever you have two guys that communicate so well, right, right, they didn't give up a lot. No, they did. It was kind of like them, BC. Yeah, Dante. You know, they Mark Bush, Washington,
1: Dante, right. and, and, and Ryan RP. Like those guys, man. It was just it, you know, it was just that brotherhood. And yeah. Them guys knew they knew what it was like. me's CTTs, you know, Markeith. And you, you played play with Tad we, we, too, huh? Tad corner game. Everybody knew. You know what I'm saying? What you we got a tad do.
0: story. Tad told me. He's like, man, you got to get people to tell Tad stories. Man,
1: I got a bunch of Tad stories, man. Let, tad let's hear boy. one
0: Tad story.
1: <laughs> but let me, let me, let me. Okay, I'll tell you the one Tad story. We were going to Toronto one time, and uh, I think we made it to Toronto. Tad had a he had a, a charger. I had a 300. He had the charger, but he had that engine in that thing, man. And you, you hear know I don't me? drive fast. You had to hear me, nigga. I don't drive fast. You know, I had, I had to charge you with the rims. Yeah, I remember you had it. Uh, but but ta- I think we – we so Hamilton about 45 from Toronto. I think we got to uh, Toronto in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, 10 minutes. I told him, I'm never riding with you to Toronto again. <laughs> ever. That was, that was the worst ride in Toronto I ever been on, man.
0: Where was y'all going? Y'all just going to hang out?
1: Yeah, we was going out, you know. It was it a was, uh, after a game. I think it was after the game, but we, uh, one of our days out. But we was going out, man. A couple of guys and guys was following, but it wasn't no following tag. <laughs> we man. was there in like ten, fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, I should have, I should have hopped in the car behind me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I used to drive like that when I was young, man. I used to drive one hundred and ten everywhere. Oh man, man, because if you wasn't. You know what I'm saying? You had to drive 110 everywhere. When I was right I used to leave late to get there early. See. Yeah, <laughs> boy, not me.
1: Hey, them boys tell you, I'm you know, I'm I'm just low-key, Nick. You know, I'm just going I'm cruise, man. I'm a cruise through them
0: through them neighborhoods, but we're gonna get there. <laughs> Might not it. get
1: there 10 minutes, but we're gonna get there.
0: When you look back at your CFL career and just your overall, just your career, what you did in college and high school, what do you think about it? You know what, man, I'm, I'm, I'm
1: happy with everything I accomplished, you know, and that's one thing now is, you know, God put me in a position to give back. You know, and now it's bigger than me, right? And that's one thing I tell myself is bigger. I done done it, you know, there ain't nothing else you can do It None of that mean anything if you can't give it back. Yeah. So, you know, that's how I look at it, and that's, that's my approach now.
0: Yeah. with You know, we talk about principles, standing on the principles, the man you are inside. All that really equates to what's going on right now. And right. all that equates over to what are you building? What are you trying to leave? What is your legacy going to be? Absolutely. And when you think about all that, what's that for you? What is the legacy? What is the, what is the, what is the vision that you see yourself doing and, and leaving for everyone?
1: Mine is making sure that I can give everybody opportunities to be great. You know, how many kids can I go out there? How many, not only kids, how many adults can I give an opportunity to be great? You know, how many people can I, can I, can I help out? Can I save? that's what it is. How many more Joaquin Bradleys can I create, you know, uh, to give them an opportunity. Right. Like I said, now, now, remember I was talking about that plant, man, that's the branches that's coming off that plant now. You know what I mean? So you always want to, uh, uh, you know, create branches. Can I create branches? You know, going back to Knoxville, once I get a, a position, you know, no matter if I'm in the pros, college, you know, giving somebody an opportunity, you know, and then they can do the same thing. So it's planting seeds.
0: That's it. Yep. Man, I appreciate you coming on,
1: brother. Hey, I appreciate you having me, Nick, man. And like I said, you keep doing what you do, and uh, you let me know anybody you want to get on this show that I got contact with, and we, we gonna see if we can make that happen.
0: Indeed, brother. Oh, one quick uh, thing. You see the shirt I'm wearing. Who is your bro? Okay, Delvin Bro.
1: Oh man, hey, I call him. He called me Clyde. I call him Ray. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That man's special too.
1: Hey, but when you talk, but Nick, that's everything. Sum up what we've been talking about. We talk about greatness and and somebody that did through a lot and never gave up. And look look at him now. You know, I mean, I man, it, it ain't too much. He he inspired, you know, and I had opportunity, you know, to go down there and work with him. Uh, in Hamilton, you know, we did a Zoom meeting together. You know, man, that guy's special.
0: Man, yeah, he know the game. Yeah. too. he know.
1: Oh, he know the game. You know the game. game. He a great, yeah, he a great man too. He's you know, great student and, uh, of the game and a, and a baller.
0: Baller. Hey, hey, when he walk up on them, he walk up on the receivers. Oh, what's up? Hey, he putting hands on you. <laughs> hey, I tell him he, he ain't playing no games over there. <laughs>
1: hey, if Devin if, if get them hands on you, that quarterback better go the other way. It's a wrap.
0: I tell him, hey, if your hands are below your waist. Right. It's, it's over. <laughs> it's over. You better exactly. pick your hands up. You better act like you're you in a dog fight. That's why I love it, it man, because you, you play against Devin, bro, you're in a dog fight the whole game because he want to press you every play.
1: Even oh, if he it's like zone, tees.
0: he want to press you every play.
1: He like his. He like Tiz. Like boy, dialing. you look over there. Him and the Tiz, boy, you're going to look over there. Them boys want to press. They, they don't care if it's zone or if it's not a zone. They're going to press you up. I seen Devin Bro against Atlanta. I remember uh, telling him, boy, you're the only person i ever seen him up Julio Jones. At the line. The Julio beast. You know, I'm a big Julio fan, boy, but Devin had a really good game against Julio. And uh, You know, he got in his face, and, you know, them boys was going there. It It was a battle. But Devin he held his own, man. He make you work for every inch. He
0: gonna make you work for every inch. Talking to speaking to Tears, tell Tiz I said what's up. One. I will. Talk to two, him every day. Two. Did Tears ever tell you about the times I used to get on Scout team to come run routes against him? Uh uh-uh. uh. Cause you know Tears played boundary corner. Right. Tiz like, you can only get me from the slot. So then I used to jump on scout team. Okay. Used to go head up with tears. Right. We used to go at it.
1: Yeah, man. We used this to was go cold, at it, Oh
0: boy. Mm-hmm. I said, Maybe "I'm like coming damn. to the island."
1: <laughs> you know,
0: Tiz like this Tiz Island, man. This, this Tiz Island. You coming yes, over sir. here. <laughs> I said, Tiz, I, ain't. I ain't. I'm coming over here to get this work. Right, right. But we made each other no. better, though.
1: I got We got to get Tiz on, Nick. You know, yes. he, he he one of the guys. He one of my guys. You know, he he always tell me how much I inspired him. You know, some things. You know, and Hamilton, and you know, with, uh, I remember one time he had a game, I guess it was against Freddie. We was playing Everton. He'll tell you the story. And he had a bad game, you know. I mean, not really a bad game, but Fred makes some plays on him, right? So he was down on himself. I man, he had a towel on his head. Everybody coming up to him, he didn't want to hear it. I lifted that towel up and said, man, I feel sorry for who, 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 who you got who got to go against you next week. That's all, I, and I walked away. He said, Kelly, that's all I needed to hear." And you know, he worked hard and next week. Man, he balled out. he got player of the week. A play that he made, it was against Everton again. Was on ESPN, mm. you know what I'm saying? But it was that get up spirit. Yeah, okay. We all have bad games. I done had them. Okay, hey. But how you get up from them? That's that's the mindset of a defensive back. Yeah, you know. That's and it. that's
0: the that's the mindset of life.
1: Yeah, you bad things gonna happen. But how do you get up from them? How do as you a, come back?
0: As a DB, you almost got to be like a shooter in basketball. Yeah, you got to forget right. that last shot. You exactly. know what I'm saying? You got to forget that last play. Because gonna put every, the boys out on your that's chest. It. <laughs> ooh, you, do not want. <laughs> and you don't want <laughs> rotation, yes, sir. Yeah, he's to go against Ram at practice. And then yeah, ooh, Ram can go it on against foot. Ram, and then yeah, then I get on scout team. I go against him, just different looks, man. Yeah, different looks, man. You and it, and it helped you. You know, it made you better. When Tiz yeah, plays with confidence, man. plays with confidence, man, there's there's not a lot of people that you can say that was better than him. Right, exactly. He played oh, with confidence. Man, we, it was. Ooh. He I had long arms. He could run. Yeah, he, he can. make great, great making the play on the ball.
1: Yes. Yes, he right. had great ball skills. But his technique, though, Nick, when you watch his technique, and that's the same technique that I like to teach, you don't play press man with your feet. Watch him. I mean, he was all – his technique looked the same every time. It never changed. And he just mastered it. He mastered it. He mastered it. It was
0: like brushing his teeth. You know, that's what like. Which gave him
1: the confidence to play it.
0: And i seen him a lot more last year. Uh, I seen him a little bit in sass when we were there. Cresden Butler. OK. Yeah, 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 I like Butler. Dude, he's just a great so technician Clemson. too. Yeah. Yep. yeah. He got great technique. And what even better, he's smart. Right, right. I see yeah, what he's yeah. doing with training. I see a lot of people training kids. And I'm like, what are they okay. doing? I'm watching him right. train these kids. The dude knows it. Yeah, Right. exactly, man. It's not just from a book or from a video. No. Like, you can knows. see the feet work they're installing in them. You can see how they're rotating their hips and getting in and out right. of things. Um, it's, it's special, man. Because everybody think, ooh.
1: everybody teach different, Nick, and that's one thing I say. You see my guys, you're going to see, you know, so you're going you're gonna to see a technician. Like, when you watch film, Nick, you're going to know they're being coached up. And that's what you said about Butler. Like, you know. He know what he's talking about, you know? We're yeah. not just going to throw him out there and say, play man-to-man. Man. <laughs> yeah. And then when you get beat, I'm going to yell at you. No, no, no. I'm going to show you the technique. So now when you, mess with, when you do get beat, it might be something in the technique that I can correct.
0: Exactly. Because I tell yeah. people all the time, like, you can't try harder. You tried hard the first time. Exactly. You got yeah. to be better technically because when everybody gets tired, your tech, how technical you are is going to make the difference of making a play or not making a play. Right. Right. Exactly, and being Especially consistently good is being great. It's not yep, making a, not making a great play. Being consistently good is being great. Absolutely, right. So absolutely. Well, we gotta get Tiz on here, man. I'm gonna talk yeah. to him and tell him you gotta get him up. He's coaching
1: them too, Nick. Where at? He's coaching out in California. Uh, awesome. They pushed the Yeah, they pushed the the the, uh, the the season back though. But you gotta see his son. His son is a problem.
0: Tiz he has been is. training though. <laughs> I bet he is. Yeah, he'll he talk a little bit more right. about
1: it. Yes, sir. How,
0: how can everybody stay up to date on you, like social media? How can they follow you and, and keep up with what you're doing, man?
1: Uh, well, you know what? I mean, I'll be on Facebook every once in a while so they can, uh, you know, look up Joaquin Bradley. Somebody created another page that wasn't me, <laughs> so <laughs> I had to go and race it. <laughs> but uh, I'm a, I got to go get my Twitter. That's the main thing. I got to me a Twitter account up, and I'm on um. My email is bradleysports, you know, at rocketmail.com. So, you know, if anybody got any questions or, you know, comments or concerns, they can always email me. Uh, I'm on Instagram just as Joaquin Bradley. But, yeah, they, that's my contact, and they can hit me up anytime.
0: Man, that's good to know, man. I might have some kids sending you away soon, some great, talented kids. Um, it's going to be awesome, man. It's great to make connections. Uh, but exactly. it's also great to support the, the next generation. Exactly. And what they're trying to accomplish. Also, I could I could see a segment on the media company called uh, Bradley Inspirations. Yeah. Oh, so, dude, I'm looking forward to what we are building, what you're doing. I appreciate you for coming through and sharing your story. Any last words you want to say to anybody out there listening to this right now?
1: Man, I just want to say you know uh, everybody talk about the, you know what we going through right now. You know everybody just stay up. Like I said, 2020 is the vision. You know so sit down and figure out what the vision is and let's go out there and let's be great. Nigga, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's an honor, it's a blessing, and Indeed, I'm gonna brother. continue to see you do your thing, man. You keep doing, you keep inspiring, big homie.
0: And tell your wife, you had to not answer the phone, cause we's on the podcast. Hey, I got you, I got you. <laughs> so you were not running them streets. Hey, I ain't running them streets. I'm at home <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> well, this is the Lulu Logic podcast, and we out. All right, big time. Do-